Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Roshini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a multidimensional issue. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also chat with high-profile people about their journeys through crisis. Former jockey Mark Irving is here today. He is currently the race ambassador for Canterbury Park in Shakopee, Minnesota. Mark has a storied racing career with more than 800 wins in the United States and more than 200 wins in Europe. His racing career came to an end with his ninth unconscious concussion, which is a big reason Mark is a passionate advocate for mental and brain health. He's here to discuss a case file I call Undercover Trauma. The Brain Injury Association of America reports one in 60 people in this country lives with permanent brain injury. While it might not surprise you, jockeys are particularly at risk for this kind of injury. The sport also brings mental health risks, including anxiety, depression, and PTSD. We've covered PTSD in previous case files, another rampant condition which the American Psychiatric Association says affects about 3.5% of adults and 8% of adolescents in the U.S. Mark, not many people can say they've had a career as a jockey, but you are in a very big club when it comes to brain injury. Nine concussions that you know about. What does that mean now for your day-to-day life? Well, it's a complete nightmare, Rashini. Every day I struggle. But I struggle more at night because I'm not with horses at night. I'm in my bedroom trying to fall asleep in bed. So it's terrible. It really is. I found out that I'm relaxed and more comfortable and I can go about my day when I'm around a horse. So even though that was the career that caused the injuries, you still have this bond with these horses. They bring you peace. They bring you comfort. Absolutely. 100%. I still talk to them and I feel that energy every time I'm around them. So you go, I know you take care of some horses. They are helpful in your therapy, which is wonderful. But I want to get into this whole concept of the undercover trauma. Injuries are sometimes just that, undercover, even invisible to you. What is it about being a jockey that puts people at this mental health risk in in that field? I mean, we see it. We, I think, intuitively know And philosophically, you could get thrown off that horse, you could have a brain injury. But what are some of the things that we might maybe don't see that are hidden from the rest of us from your previous career? Well, being a jockey, you cannot show any signs of fear. We're highly competitive, just like any athletes, uh, we'll say running backs. They're at high risk for concussions. They can't show any fear or any signs of weakness, just like a jockey. The most important thing, when you get legged up on a horse in the paddock, wherever what racetrack it is, let's say Canterbury Park, my whole body has to be relaxed. I have to be 100% confident because that intuitive thoroughbred picks up on everything. Any kind of tension in my legs, my buttocks, my body, my demeanor. So when I talk to that thoroughbred and give her or him a pat down the neck, it's got to be a confident one. Right, because you have to become one for that race, or even if you're doing a leisure ride, you don't want the horse to feel you're tense and stressed. No, absolutely. They can sense everything. Even dogs, horses, animals can sense fear. 
and they can show aggressive signs towards fear because it's making them uncomfortable because you're afraid of them. So you have to be 100% confident and the bond has to be strong. And I only have five minutes to bond with a horse I've probably never seen in my life. So when you describe this to me, I just think about the rest of us lay people who don't, you know, ride horses for a living. And I feel like there's a lot of common sense in what you're saying in just relaxing into whatever it is you have, your job, maybe you're an athlete in another way, or just even if you're someone that is high anxiety and have to go into a social situation that causes a lot of anxiety. What are some tips you can give us that you learned from that previous life that you now use to stay as relaxed as possible in your current life? With me, again, it's my strong faith and really it's got me through a lot of things in my life. I left home when I was 16, been homeless before in California, pursuing my passion to be a jockey. And so my faith got me through a lot, a lot of things. But, you know, God speaks through these animals. That's where I feel comfortable. I feel comfortable around the horse. I have fear because of my concussions of crowds. So if I'm around horses, it calms me down. And just like Beyonce, she has stage fright, right? So she turns into Sasha Fierce. You and Beyonce. I know. Who would have known? I would have known. I turn into a whole different alter ego person at the track. When you are the race ambassador, you're around crowds all the time when you're doing that job. But I'm a complete mess at home. But when I'm around horses, and and my whole persona changes. I think what is so beautiful about your story is you had this passion. It treated you well. It also gave you challenges. Mm -hmm. It caused injuries in your life. But yet here you are wanting to be an ambassador, not only the race ambassador at Canterbury Park, but you really are an ambassador for racing and all the good things about the sport. What would you like the listeners to know out there in the country, in the world, about the sport of racing? Because I think the headlines don't always tell the whole story. Oh, my God, where do I start? Um, I've been around horses and the horse racing game. We call it the sports of kings in England. These horses are treated better than you and I, Roshini. They are wrapped in bubble wrap. They get the best food. They get the best care. They get bathed twice a day. They get their temperatures taken to make sure they're 100% fit to train and race. They are treated like royalty, win or lose. These trainers that train all over the globe, it's a lifestyle for them. It's seven days a week. These horses are their kids. So they come every day. If something goes awry with one of their children, it just drives them crazy. They'll spend the time, the money, whatever it takes to make sure their kids, the thoroughbreds, are treated like gold and healthy and happy. To me, a happy horse has his ears or her ears forward, just like a dog. And if you can see those ears forward in the race or training or walking around the paddock at Canterbury Park, they want to be there. They're happy. They love their life. And they do. It's such a beautiful sport. And uh, I will stand here and I will get on my soapbox or a stage and I will tell the world how these horses are treated. And they're treated well, it sounds like. But why do we get the headlines about steroids and other kinds of bad behavior? And it seems like the bad behavior probably comes from the humans. I think it stems from the humans, yes, because they trust us 100% to take care of them. They have no say in what they eat or how they train. They're trusting humans. But I tell you what, all these horses are winners and they run their lives out on the track. They're happy 
and they're getting treated very well. And there's always going to be a stigma in every sport about, oh, well, somebody's doing this, somebody's doing that. It's news. Sometimes good news, sometimes bad news, but people want to hear news. What about the jockeys? What insight can you give us there? In case file number 48, which was called Trust Talks, we talked with a translation expert about how important it is to understand anything that affects you in your own language. Language can be a blocker for some because many associated with racing are Hispanic. There's also the transient nature of the business. So how can people make sure they understand and they are understood so your previous colleagues, the jockeys, is really who I'm talking about here. It might seem like a glamorous life for a jockey. You, know, you see the bright colors we wear, the owner's silks, they're called, and winning races. And, but it's, it's, it's a whole different lifestyle. We have to keep our weight down. You know, we're grown men, and we have to keep our weight down to about 113 pounds. That is, like, almost impossible for me to imagine. You have to be vertically challenged. So you'll see a lot of Hispanic jockeys and a lot of white jockeys that are vertically challenged like me. But you had to be strict. You know, I hired a dietitian to keep my weight down. High protein, low carbs, no alcohol. It's a very strict, routine career. And you have to be focused, laser focused. And win or lose, we get paid when we win. We do get paid when we lose, but that doesn't look good on us. Because all the world's watching us. The jockey always gets the blame if we lose. So our win percentage has to be high for us to create more revenue, to get more business. We do have agents. Good agents will take good jockeys if we have a high win percentage. It can be a great career, but obviously the downside is injuries and keeping your weight down. And there is some issues there that uh, I'm not going to get into with jockeys as far as their eating habits. But, you know, there are people there to help. And I do advise some young apprentice jockeys, hey, starving yourself is not the way to go. It's not going to help you on the horse, on the track. Right, because you really do need the protein in your system. You need to have your brain there with you. Absolutely. <laughs> functioning well. Yeah. All right, let's talk about just mental health, wellness in the workplace. So go off the track for a bit. And all of these lessons that you've learned that you're teaching others, I know that our listeners, most of whom are not jockeys and never mm -hmm. will be, are in regular workplaces. What kind of lessons can you help us learn so that we put the walk behind the talk? Because there has been this uprising of, oh, all these mental health programs, we need to really be concerned about mental health. But are workplaces really doing that to an extent that is helpful for all employees, Mark? I think this goes out to a lot of the men out there that are listening. You know, we think we have shoulders big enough to handle all the stress of life, whether it's family, workplace, health, uh, the list goes on and on. Or you work in, in a dangerous world, like being a policeman or a fireman or in the military. Don't be so stoic. Ask for help. It's not a sign of weakness like you may think it is. What are the kinds of things, though, that workplaces can do? Yes, employees should ask for help, but the fact is not all of them will. What would you hope a workplace could do to just make it a more calm and inviting environment for anyone who is dealing with anxiety issues? Well, I think it's communication from the person that owns the business or your boss, you know, at least weekly meetings, just to ask individuals, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's home life? How's your wife? How's the kids? Is there anything that you want to talk about? I'm not going to discuss this with my management or my team, but I'm asking you as a friend, how are you doing? Communication, period. For anybody that's never been to Canterbury Park, and maybe you do struggle with uh, some anxiety from work or PTSD or depression, 
which is huge in this world, come out to the races. Maybe look for a, a vertically challenged uh, British man in a suit, in a bright suit. Approach me. Tell me your story. Maybe I'll take you into the paddock and introduce you to these amazing thoroughbreds that are healing me every day. Well, Mark Irving, you're very impressive and very inspirational, and uh, we wish you so many good things on your continued journey for a positive life and strong mental health. Horse racing ambassador and advocate for people who live with brain injury. Again, as he's invited you, look for Mark if you find yourself in Minnesota at Canterbury Park, where he loves to educate about horses and horse racing. Today's Crisis Brief is dedicated to our listeners who are fighting their own undercover battles. We hope this case file and Mark bring you some comfort and ideas about going public. Number one, your overall health and your mental health are important. Get a professional opinion if you are struggling. Number two, just because you can't see the injury doesn't mean it isn't there. If a loved one has PTSD or brain injury, educate yourself on the effects and how you can be supportive. Number three, meet people where they are. If you want to help someone, consider their culture and their language. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and audio engineer, Tom Hamilton. Please rate and review The Crisis Files on your platform of choice so others can listen for crisis prevention information. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram at thecrisisfiles. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek professionals to help with your specific need. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.